Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We're focused on women, the money and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Beth Philbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite Talks. And this week, we are just so happy to be speaking with Randy Thompson. Randy is the CEO of KidSave. And she has just a phenomenal background. So let me just tell you a little bit about Randy and what she's doing. When Randy Thompson visited an orphanage in Kazakhstan 25 years ago, she saw teens forced to move out with no place to go, no skills, and no hope. Inspired to create a new future for these kids, she went to work building kid-safe programs, and she hasn't stopped since. KidSafe works to increase awareness of the plight of children living in orphanages and foster care, both domestically and worldwide, with the goal of moving children out of orphanages and foster care and into permanent families and connected to caring adults. Since 1999, KidSafe has worked with more than 20 governments and directly served more than 15,000 children and helped them find families. Through advocacy and training of partners, KidSafe has impacted the lives of more than 570,000 children living around the world. Welcome, Randy. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Such an amazing oh, makes me tired oh, hearing gosh. that. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? It was so important. I really wanted to read it so that somebody who's not reading and just listening online hears the breadth of what you're doing. So what was it, Randy, about this issue of foster care and older child adoption that you couldn't ignore? Well, I was exposed to it on a business trip to Kazakhstan, as you said, and I was literally just blown away by the fact that there are all these children living in institutions growing up without somebody to count on, someone to call their own, and realizing that just this waste of human potential. And I honestly tried to get it out of my mind when I went back to what I was doing on my business trip, and I couldn't. I just kept seeing the faces of these children and thinking, they, they really need and deserve the opportunity to have a family to help them to thrive. So originally, I, my co-founder and I weren't planning to start an organization. We just wanted to volunteer some time. We were marketing people. We thought we had the skills to do that. And we didn't find anybody who was really helping these older kids and decided that if there wasn't anybody else doing it, then we needed to. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. I know that this year you pivoted quickly and had to build tremendous support for your effort there. The war broke out in Ukraine February 2022. You saw the immediate need for humanitarian aid was far greater than the child welfare and the permacy of placing these children. How did, how did the needs intersect at all and how did you get moving when the war broke out? Well, we were in Ukraine when the war broke out. We'd had a program. We'd been there for six years, and we particularly had a program to place older kids that were growing up in orphanages into families. And the war broke out in Mykolaiv and Kherson. That's where the Russians first attacked. And that just happened to be where we had our program. So we went from having this very small group for a pilot that was had placed 117 kids in families and we first went in just to get those kids to safety. We wanted, we felt we owed it to them to do that. And we came in and we moved them to the villages first, soon found that the villages were not safe either, and um, began to move them farther out in Ukraine. But then we realized that um, so many people weren't getting helped and Ukrainian citizens were getting stuck in combat. And we had the most amazing child welfare leaders that said, Whatever it takes, we're going to do it. We're going to get people out. We're going to get them to safety. We're not going to let this happen to our fellow Ukrainians. And so we just 
jumped into action to equip them with what they needed, which was vehicles, which was buses, which was drivers. Um, we had to get a rescue center where people could triage. So we really just started moving as quickly as we could to get them the resources they needed. And ironically, we had allocated a very small budget for Ukraine. Um, I think we were going to spend about 250000 and we spent that in the first 10 days. And then we just kept going. Wow. Oh, wow. Where do you find your supporters to help you with your mission and vision and work and funding? How are you and how can we help the community of C-Suite? Right. Both here and overseas. Yeah, well, it's kind of a patchwork quilt. You know, you're, you're getting a little bit from here and a little bit from there. But um, we are primarily funded by private philanthropists, by, you know, by the general public. We're not getting government uh, funding to do the work that we do. And we're not a fee-for-service organization. We're an advocacy organization. So um, we are getting money from people like you, from your listeners, uh, people who say that this is an important issue. I mean, the first issue that I work on is that children need to grow up in families. That is primarily Kids Save's goal. Um, in this immediate emergency effort, what we're doing is we're keeping children and families safe and together when possible. And for the kids that are in the orphanages, we're moving them into a place where they can safely be housed until such time as this conflict is over. And they can then we can move back to moving kids into families. So we need funds. We need volunteers. We need people to do, um, you know, tell others about the work, tell others what we're doing. And, you know come along. Where do you need volunteers? Do you need people from here? We're in Los Angeles to go to Ukraine. It's such a huge initiative that you're taking that how can someone jump in? Well, the Ukraine initiative is not one where we're suggesting that people travel over because, you know, what, what they don't need is more people like you and me who don't speak the language and don't necessarily have the skills. And then therefore we're going to be just another drain. Right. Um, in fact, my people in Ukraine always say to me, you stay right where you are, Randy, and, you know, raise the money <laughs> and you know, get us the help, get us the, you know, the flat gear, get us all those things. Um, but I, I, I think that for the Ukraine effort in particular, we need funds to be able to keep doing this effort. We got a lot of um, generosity in the first month of the war. Each month it went down by half. We know that this war is going to go on for a long time and we're going to need to be continuing to do that uh, effort to both get people out of combat areas and also to feed the people who are still there. And there's 35,000 people that we feed each week. So for that, we need we. We really need money. For volunteers for the rest of our work, I mean, we have programs um, in Los Angeles where people, and in Texas, where um, volunteers come and help us to meet kids who are in uh, foster care. Uh, they help us to put on events. Um, people can host children. We bring children in from South America every year for um, two times a year, and we need hosts for that. We need people to help to you know, create communities so that we can get more people to meet kids who don't have anybody to count on. And what does a typical host family look like? Um, if you're if someone is hosting um, a, a child in U.S. foster care or mm -hmm. in Ukraine, yeah. <laughs> um, if they would commit to seeing that child at least twice a month on the weekends, our host families are approved to have kids in their homes, and they become our partners to champion those kids, to introduce them to potential permanent families, or they could become that permanent family, or they could help that child in, when they leave foster care to be able to get a job, to go to school, to, you know, to learn the things that 
kids in foster care aren't learning because they don't have a parent to teach them. So providing parent-like functions. Um, if they were hosting a child from Columbia, for instance, they would do that for five or six weeks. And the same thing, you're, you're helping that child to meet as many people as possible who might be interested in giving them a permanent home. Well, that's wonderful. So I'm kind of interested and curious about your background, and I'm sure the listening audience is too, and how did you get to to starting this organization and what led you to do that? Sure. My background is in marketing and public relations. Um, I spent the first 20 some odd years of my career in the agency business. So I worked with a very small boutique firm called Porter Novelli that then got acquired and acquired and acquired. And we became (laughs) part of the largest communications consortium in the world at the time, the Omnicom group. Okay. Um, So I was working um, both on regular product campaigns, but also I did a lot of work in issues and social marketing. I had a a wonderful mentor, Bill Novelli, who uh, really was one of the fathers of social marketing. And this is really taking social issues and applying marketing principles to solve the problems, to change attitudes, to change behaviors. So I often said I kind of came by this honestly. I was doing much of the work on those kind of campaigns. And then when this issue confronted me. You know, I was used to kind of the sprint. In the agency business, you're taking an account and you do a campaign and you're done. I mean, this is an issue of millions and millions of children around the world who are living, growing up without families. So I went from doing the sprint in the agency business, certainly to doing a marathon in in this area. And, you know, the biggest difference, I think, uh, was I was able to use all of the things that I learned in marketing and management when I started KidSave, the one thing that was very, very different is the money. You know, we used to have these huge campaigns to do things and we started with very little. And, and of course our responsibility as a not-for-profit is to use every dollar we can, you know, to benefit the children that we're serving. So you never have enough to do what you want to do. Right. Exactly. We know that too. (laughs) Right. So how can C-Suite support you in this initiative? How can we best work with you besides doing a podcast? (laughs) Well, can we tell your podcast listeners about our NFT? Yeah, sure. We should be talking about that. Yeah, let's talk about NFTs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're partnering. Go on. We are partnering, and that is really wonderful that um, you've taken this initiative. Uh, You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking for ways to both sustain our work in Ukraine and also to sustain our core mission to be able to get kids into families. And um, in the Ukraine area, when donations have gone down so much recently, um, one of your C-suite members and and you got together and talked about doing an NFT. It'll be our first NFT. We're doing it with C-suite. And it's really to get people to invest, you know, through the digital uh, uh, crypto in having, helping in Ukraine. So we're really excited about that. I think we're close to, to launching, We're right? close, yeah, close. Just got to get it over the goal line. <laughs> for for right. free holiday. And, you know, our, our goal for C-Suite is to help support the uh, the KidSave initiative. So this yeah. is really a fundraising tool where uh, if you purchase an NFT, you would have a collectible. That's what an NFT is. 
Yes. Right. And we have a designer that, who's doing amazing art for this. And I keep thinking, you know, we're in our goal once we keep thinking beyond war. And of course, we're already looking in Ukraine for what we can do to sustain, you know, kids moving into families. And one of the things that we're going to be doing is building a center where we can, first of all, address the trauma that these kids have have. Um, seen, I mean, such war crimes and things that they've seen. So we're creating a trauma therapy curriculum, and we're also going to be bringing kids in where they can meet families. And I can see that NFT working for a little bit of a brick of each part of that building that people can own a piece of, you know, building the seeds of the new Ukraine. Oh, that's lovely connection. And I I don't even want to imagine, but I can, that with war, there are probably more kids there who even need support. There will be so many more orphans after this war, both um, single orphans, which means you've lost one parent, and and also double orphans. And and the stress on the people as they come back in is going to be palpable. Um, you know, you already see that so many so many children left with a parent, and when that parent comes back, you know, they they will have lost so many of their loved ones, so they'll be very challenging for them. So, you know, we're we're hoping that what we can do is to provide that support so that families can keep their children and that the community will be able to work with families. But we know that there'll be so many more kids in institutions. And so we're, we're actively, you know, working now to create that structure um, so that volunteers can come in. The good news is though, that, um, Pre-war, uh, Ukraine still had a lot of the vestiges of the former Soviet system. You know, it's, you know, every man for himself a little bit. And there is such a spirit of volunteerism and um, caring about one's, one's brethren. And we've, we're seeing it already, even with our drivers who are going in and rescuing people. They're saying, I could take a child. You know, people are talking about the fact that they need, they know it's their responsibility and that they're thinking along those lines. So that'll obviously be the work that we're concentrating on post-war. Yeah, I was so, it just touched me so much how all the surrounding countries were so generous in taking all the refugees and, you know, it was just amazing. Um, I know that we're going into the winter months and they keep talking about how Russia is trying to you know, kill the uh, power grid, the power infrastructure, and so forth. So what what do you see as the biggest needs? Obviously donations, but um, what else can be done? And actually, for anyone listening right now, how do they donate? What's what's the URL? Uh, it's um, kidsave.org, and then go to the homepage to donate now. Just hit the donate button, and they can specify Ukraine if that's what they want to do. I mean, what we're doing right now is we are gearing up for winter. We have um, we've five warehouses, four of them in Ukraine, one of them in Poland, that we are stocking as much as we can because we know that this this is likely to be a really long, cold winter. Uh, we are um, purchasing generators. We're we're getting tents because we know that people may not have their own home to be in, right? So uh, much of what we're doing is really trying to uh, prepare for those months ahead and knowing that people are going to be without power and without electricity. So generators are a huge thing. We're, We're even doing things like getting flashlights because children are so frightened in the dark just generally. Uh Uh And when you've got these bombs and these missiles coming, we want to do everything we can to have those rechargeable flashlights from those all seem like small things, but, um, you know, having a light in the darkness 
helps. <laughs> right. So, so if someone wanted to, you know, help with some of the kids in Ukraine, and obviously we have so many kids here too, is it is it harder now to go through that whole foster? I, I, what's a pre-foster? Oh, in terms of um, adopting a child from Ukraine? Well, right now that's not something that is possible. Ukraine is under martial law and they have suspended all international adoption. What uh, the Ukrainian government is doing is working very hard to keep the children who are in those institutions together and to make sure they keep tabs on them. There's so many risks for trafficking and separation. I know human trafficking. And yeah. so the Ukrainian government has done an amazing job of working to, you know, to keep kids uh, safely together. Um, at this, so at this point, it's, there's no international adoption. And, yeah. and in Ukraine, there are many families that would like to bring children in. So I think we have to see what happens after the war. I mean, nothing is off the table, I think, because we have to remain fluid in this situation. We've got to make sure that we can pivot as we need to. Our goal would be to have children in Ukraine with Ukrainian families if that's possible. It's always our goal that kids can stay in their own country and as close to, you know, with their own families or their kin if they can. Um, and when they can't, then we look for new families for them or new connections. So we'll be taking that same approach in Ukraine, first looking to try to get kids, keep kids in families, get them back to families when we can't do that. Ukrainian families, and if not, then we'll be looking to move them to other countries, including the United States, perhaps. And there are many people who, you know, I, I think that around the world, the hearts have been touched with this conflict, and there are many, many people who would open their homes to a child. Well, well, first things sure. first. For sure. And even before that, now, now you need money for all the food for all the people that you're supporting the 35,000 people you're feeding every week, every week. Uh, we provide them with food kits. We got, we have volunteers that, um, are packing up the kits. Then, um, they, we go to depots, but we also go into the communities and into the areas where disabled people and, you know, people who are in the combat areas that cannot leave are living so that we're making sure that areas that are typically not delivered to are getting the food. Mm. So how uh, I'm going to go to Kids Safe as a whole as the organization as a whole. Are you in every country or what? What's your breadth? Well, we have dreams. Um, <laughs> okay, who would we, like we to support be? them? <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we're in the United States. We're in South America in Colombia. Um, we worked in Russia for many, many years. That was um, wow. we worked in Russia for 16 years before leaving a program um, with a local organization to manage it. Um, we're in Sierra Leone and we're in Ukraine. Um, we're not trying to be the biggest organization around. What we're trying to do is to get our model out. And our model is you take children that people are not typically thinking of. They're usually older kids. They're usually kids. They might have large sibling groups. And we bring them back in communities, local communities, where people can meet them and get to know them. Um, we don't re we don't say that people have to be wanting to adopt to interact with a child. And that allows both the child who's often very hurt and traumatized and not trusting of adults and also the adult who isn't quite sure. We've heard a lot of things about kids that are in orphanages and kids that are in U.S. foster care. And there's what, you know, our model brings them back in the community where you meet, you meet a child as a person. And uh, paper didn't have personality, you know. It's uh, one of those things that often our kids show some really difficult histories, and they've been through a lot. 
but by bringing them in the community where people can meet and get to know them as people makes an enormous difference. And we found that every country in which we've implemented this, every city in which we've implemented it has resulted in kids finding families and lifelong connections. Oh, that's fabulous. That's wonderful. So what are kind of your goals for um, the rest of this year and going into next? What's on your top of mind? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like everyone else, I'm looking to hire. Um, I think that that's a, a business dilemma overall, that it's really difficult to find um, wonderful employees. And for KidSave, of course, we every hire we make is critical because we're a relatively small organization. And you know, we're, we're looking for those people that have the passion and the desire to really help children. Um, that's a, that's a major goal, uh, organizationally, but, um, we are in Ukraine committed to helping as long as we need to rescue and feed people. And then we are looking forward in 2023 to starting that move toward getting back into some regular programming on the West and the Western part of Ukraine. In the United States, we're really wanting to expand our uh, program that's called Weekend Miracles, which is with U.S. Foster Youth. We're um, hoping to expand that in other parts of Texas and California. And if any of your listeners are in another area, another um, state where they think there's a significant child welfare problem, then please, um, if you have contacts there, give us a call. We'd love to um, to go in and bring this model to other areas because it works to get kids into families. Fabulous. Such amazing work you're doing. So Randy Thompson, CEO of KidSafe, thank you. We we have so enjoyed talking to you, finding out more about KidSafe and how we can all support the work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you to C-Suite for being such a great partner as well. Really appreciate oh, it. Oh, and we just want to get better and better with you. So, uh, so tell us your website one more time, and then Beth is going to thank our sponsors. Our website is KidSave, and you can also go to KidSave Stand with Ukraine. If you put that in, you'll find um, updates from us regularly on our work in Ukraine. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. So we want to thank our sponsors, Google, RSM, a large accounting firm, Manette, a global law firm, City National Bank, Interpublic Group, and Amplify Professional Services, an executive search and IT consulting firm. So thank you to our sponsors. They make this possible. And thank you for listening. Hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, LinkedIn, anywhere you find your podcasts. Leave us a review. Thumbs up, please. It helps the <laughs> algorithms. And do follow us on social media, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, etc. We love hearing from you. Send Beth an email, okay? Beth at C-Suite, <laughs> C-S-W-E-E-T.org. And uh, check out our website, become a member, www.csuite.org. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. And look forward to the Kids Save NFT. Yes, we can't wait. <laughs> yes, we'll be telling you more about it. <laughs> and actually, maybe we do a quick uh, podcast, uh, you know, a quick LinkedIn thing when we launch that too. Okay? <laughs> I love it. That'd be fabulous. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you.